This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's up, friends? As you guys may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is pretty darn important. And our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. So check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. That's Green Mountain Dental Group. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands, drinking the curves from mile high, the best part of the weekend, hugging a perfect stranger as they become a friend, having a good time when the orange and blue WIN. Did divisional play work better as far as the playoffs and everything when you had divisions of five, even six teams back in the 90s? Uh, there was never six. AFC Central had six. Are you positive of that? For a couple years. Yeah. A couple years, okay. Yeah, that's me correcting uh, Vic Fangio, who thought he had one on me, but didn't. <laughs> he got maced. Yes, he got maced. <laughs> I wish I had that drop that we had at 760. We had one from one of our old board ops who said, You got Mace, son! <laughs> and Mace, <sighs> you killed Vic Fangio with facts yesterday. Oh, man. <laughs> that was Mace outsmarting Vic Fangio. And, of course, welcome to the DNVR Broncos podcast. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by the smartest guy in the world, Andrew Mason, oh, come who on. knows even more. Then Vic Fangio. And before we hop into the show, got to tell you guys about our presenting sponsor, Strava Craft Coffee. This is delicious coffee mixed with CBD to help with any pains, aches, uh, headaches, migraines, anything that's going on with your body, CBD can help with. So make sure you check them out. And if you do, use that magical code DNVR20 to receive 20% off your entire purchase. That's Strava Craft Coffee. So Mace, how you feeling after uh, after after schooling Vic Fangio? Oh, I'm <laughs> feeling quite fine. I was actually surprised he wasn't aware of the three team period in which there were six teams in a division. Of course, it was the AFC Central. Uh, like I mentioned, it was in the wake of Cleveland coming back into the league. Your Cleveland Browns, yep. Zach, the resurrected <laughs> yeah. Browns in 1999, because they didn't have an expansion team ready to go in Houston. And also, they just expanded by two teams in 1995. I don't think they wanted two more coming in together in 1999. And Houston, I know, wanted to be in what is now known as NRG Stadium before it got underway. So it was kind of a weird three years. You had a six-team division. You had an odd number of teams. So that meant you had buys every week in the schedule. You couldn't avoid it. It's kind of like how in baseball now you have 15 NL 15 AL teams, so somebody is always playing interleague. Right. Even for the opening series, even 
at the close of the year. So you had some teams that were stuck with the dreaded week one buy or the week 17 buy, which Ooh. came uh, of little use. Actually, um, the Broncos in the original 2001 schedule had a week 16 buy. Weird. And then were slated to close with the Raiders at home. But that year, week two got moved to the end of the season because of 9-11. Mm. So in the end, the Broncos had a bye that was two weeks from the conclusion of the regular season, not one. But yeah, it was a little bit of a strange time in the NFL. But kind of my point of asking that question was Vic Fangio was talking about how he thinks the division alignment should be scrapped completely because of things like you ha- you're, you've seen in the past, Broncos 2011, 8-8, eight eight, getting to host a 12-4 and four Steelers team in the wild card round. And now it looks like an NFC West team that could even be 13-3 and three, if things break right might be playing at a 500 or worse champion of the NFC East. And uh, I've got a problem with that. Vic has as well. My solution is to say, okay, if you win the division, you get in the playoffs, but you don't get guaranteed a home game. You get seated based on record. Vic Fangio's solution is pretty radical. He says throw out the divisions altogether, just have two conferences, and you play every team in your conference once, plus a designated rival from the other conference based on geography or some other factors. And I get into that in my piece on thednvr.com where I say, okay, let's sort of take the baton and say, okay, here's who all the other teams would play. Vic suggested Arizona. I suggested the Seattle Seahawks and for the Broncos. Mesu, it was an awesome piece, and that was really the the fun part of yesterday was Vic uh, d- divulging his plan on what they do, and of course, Uncle Mace chimes in and helps Vic there, and it's a really fun piece. You guys got to get in on thednvr.com to read it. Make sure you do, and Mace, we have our holiday deal going on right now where if you join our family, not only do you get to read Mace's piece immediately, you get all of our content that we produce on the dnvr.com plus every other sport that we cover from the from the buffs to the rams who just hired a new football head coach to the nuggets to the avs to the rockets to of course everything we do you get to support us and you get two free shirts maybe you're treating yourself to a little holiday present or Maybe you're grabbing a few presents for other people. Man, you buy one thing and you get three things to give out on Christmas or whatever you're celebrating this time of year. So make sure you join us and join the family. And you get to the exclusive right to leave comments on this pod, which we'll get to. But before we do, Mace, we got a game coming up on Sunday. We oh, got yeah, a, that. We got a game that could mean something. I mean, it's it's crazy that those words... Are true. It'll mean something at kickoff. <laughs> are we talking about the playoffs? Or are we talking about long-term meaning? I think the more important Both. thing is long-term meaning because the playoffs are a pipe dream and <laughs> are reliant upon the Steelers losing a game, all three games the rest of the way, starting Sunday night against the Buffalo Bills at home. So that means it'll mean something for the Broncos when they kick off. If they lose to the Chiefs, they are eliminated of course that might not be the case if they would put the patriots on probation (laughs) for apparently cheating again having not apparently learned their lessons about anything but i digress entirely (laughs) i don't think the nfl is going to do that you know as gary tarkanian said 
Kentucky cheated, so it's time to put Cleveland State on probation. It's two <laughs> yep. Cleveland references in one podcast. And the bottom line for these Steelers is that they close with Buffalo at home, but at the Jets, at the Ravens. They could lose to the Bills. They could lose to the Ravens. Yeah. There's also a chance the Ravens have everything locked up by them, too. Exactly, and that's the one thing that could prevent this. And But the Jets. The Jets too. on the road. <laughs> uh, hey, maybe Sam Darnold plays as the number three overall pick in that game. Maybe. But that's why I think the more important aspect of this game for the Broncos is just the continued progress of Drew Locke. Mm-hmm. What the Chiefs throw at him. If he has to encounter some adversity, he's going to have to encounter a hostile crowd. By the way, Houston last week, crowd got taken out of the game so early. That was not a hostile environment for Drew Locke and wish to operate. It'll be something entirely different in Kansas City. The Chiefs, of course, they've beaten the Patriots. They come in hot off that win at New England. Thus, a bye week is in play for the AFC West champion, Kansas City Chiefs. They've already clinched the division, of course. So he's going to face some noise, some adversity, a Chiefs defense that is playing much better, and in particular as a complement to the Chiefs' still explosive offense, getting takeaways. And that's kind of an ideal complement. If you're going to give up yards, make sure that you get takeaways. The Chiefs, of course, have eight takeaways in their last three games, nine takeaways in their last four games. It's a defense that is starting to find itself, gave up only 278 yards to the struggling Patriot offense, but 332 to the Raiders a week earlier, and then before that, 438 to the Chargers. So I think Drew Locke will get some yards, but the key to this game is going to be limiting the giveaways by the Broncos offense. I could see the Chiefs taking advantage of the fact that the young quarterback still, pardon the pun, locks onto his receivers (laughs) just like he did on the interception thrown in Cortland Sutton's direction last Sunday in Houston. So that's something to watch out for. But if there's some early adversity, it's a chance to grow within the game. If the adversity just lasts all day, we get a chance to see how he responds to that a week later against Detroit. But as we've mentioned, response to negative circumstances on the field is part and parcel of what you want to see in the development of a young quarterback. Mace, do the Broncos win if they have four turnovers? New. Of course not. They The Chargers had four turnovers. They turned the ball over four times when they played the Chiefs just a couple weeks ago. The Chargers only lost by seven, which is incredible. Do the Broncos win if they have three turnovers? Almost certainly not. Yeah, no, of course not. Do they win? But if the they Texans have... did beat the Chiefs earlier this season with three giveaways. That's but the Chiefs offense had two giveaways of their own. Right. And that's a key here. Yeah, no, and on the other side, when the Raiders turned the ball over three times against the Chiefs just two weeks ago. The Chiefs beat them by 31 points. That's likely what will happen if the Broncos turn the ball over three-plus more times. Do they win if they have two turnovers? Then it depends what the defense did to force takeaways, and that is something that it's sort of a secondary topic for the Broncos this year because we've had so much discussion of their of their offense, but... One thing that has happened for the Broncos, their offense and special teams have now forced at least one takeaway 
in four consecutive games. And the Broncos, in those four games, are averaging two takeaways per game. Mm. So remember we were talking about how this team was struggling at that aspect of the Vic Fangio equation getting takeaways before the bye week in nine games, only seven takeaways. Yep. Since the bye, two takeaways against Minnesota, one against Buffalo, two against the Chargers, three in Houston last Sunday. So the Broncos have gone from averaging about eight-tenths of a takeaway per game with six games in which they didn't have a takeaway at all. They came in clusters, six of them in that two-week winning streak back in October. Now the Broncos have averaged two takeaways per game since they came back from the bye. Yeah. The defense is feeling itself, so that's why if they have two giveaways on offense, I'm not going to say the Broncos lose because I want to see what the defense can force. I am. I'm saying the Broncos lose if they have two two takeaways or two giveaways um, in Kansas City going against a playoff team, everything that's going to be going on. I don't think they can afford that, but one or less, the Broncos have a shot. And Mace, this is kind of an interesting storyline to the game, is both of these defenses – are hitting their stride. The Chiefs statistically don't seem good. If if somebody if you hear somebody say, "Oh, the Chiefs defense is terrible." Well, it's because they they really haven't done their research. Some of the numbers don't point to their defense being that good, but if you look at the details like I think we've we've explained over this week, they're getting better. Are they beatable? 100%. Absolutely. But if you look at some of the Broncos' statistics, because they didn't have those turnovers early in the year, because they didn't have those sacks early in the year, because they gave up uh, a few games of big points, you could convince yourself that the Broncos don't have the best defense out there and, and, and maybe average in some categories. But everyone who's watched knows that this defense is really coming together, and that's kind of the same thing with the Chiefs. So, Mace, we've talked about you know, this game's all about Drew Locke. How's he going to do? His completion percentage is understandably going to drop from last week in Houston. For 82%? Yeah. <laughs> don't expect that. That's realistic. I expect two turnovers. Oh. From Drew? Yes. Could be a fumble and Strip sack. a pick. A, a, a pick. I think even though Drew Locke is mobile, whereas Joe Flacco was a statue standing back there, a sitting duck for the Chiefs pass rushers, I think the Chiefs will try to attack Drew Locke. They'll try to crank up the pressure, find out if he can handle it. They'll try to disguise their rushes at time, at times in the game. So I, I think... Would. I think there will be a strip sack in this game of Drew Locke, and you just hope that the Broncos manage to fall on the ball before the Chiefs do. And it's it's hard to disagree with that, Mace, because of the crowd noise. I could see, um, you know, just a snap going a little astray, and Drew has to reach a weird way. He, or that's just true, something but Connor McGovern hasn't had a bad snap. No, no, not necessarily. Yeah. It's McGovern's fault, but just just you, you said it about Houston. They didn't really. The offense didn't really face adversity in terms of going against a loud, tough crowd. That's Even true. if they did, KC's going to be so much louder. They're going to be ready for this game. Another thing to consider, Zach, is third downs because, of course, the Broncos have been tremendous on third downs since Drew Locke became 
their starting quarterback a couple weeks ago. Drew Locke, a much better passer on third downs than Joe Flacco and Brandon Allen were in the first 11 games of the season. But Kansas City, on third downs over the last five games, here's the percentage of conversions they've allowed. 33, 25, 33, 33, and 17. New England converted just 17% of its 12 third down tries. That was 2 of 12 last Sunday in Foxborough. Doesn't sound like a bad defense, does it, Mace? No, it doesn't. Now, immediately before that five-game stretch, the Packers converted 61.5% of their third down tries against the Chiefs. But then the week before that, of course, was the Bronco game when Denver went a meager 1 of 13 (laughs) on third downs. This has been a terrific third down defense over the last month and a half, almost two months of play. I mentioned the takeaways earlier. Kansas City, I think people are sleeping on them as a team that can get to the Super Bowl. And I know what you're going to say, ah, Uh, The Chiefs have been crap in the playoffs. Mace, you've always got the jokes about how the Chiefs haven't been to the Super Bowl (laughs) since within six months of man landing on the moon since the Beatles were together. Look, this Chiefs team, I think, is actually better positioned to winning January than the team last year that ended up falling to the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, they're, they're almost certainly going to have home field advantage, but I don't think Lamar Jackson is going to scare the Chiefs all that much. Remember, of course, the Chiefs have already beaten the Lamar Jackson-led Ravens twice in the last two seasons. Right Now, both of those were at Arrowhead, but I doubt Kansas City is going to be fearful of the Ravens in any way, shape, or form if they end up meeting in the playoffs, I guess what I'm saying is, Zach, is that prepare yourself for the possibility that the Kansas City Chiefs mm-hmm. are Super Bowl bound. Yeah, well, that doesn't sound very good for Sunday's game. So, Mace, I'm preparing myself for how you think this game unfolds. Well, what's the line? Nine and a half? Broncos are underdogs by nine and a half, the exact same line of last week. Okay. When, let me remind you, they went in and stomped the Texans as a nine-and-a-half-point dog. They did. This Kansas City team right now is a lot better than that Houston Texan team. I don't disagree with that. There's a teachable moment, maybe several of them coming for Drew Locke as he learns how to be an NFL starting quarterback. Based on what I've seen from the Chiefs, particularly in the last three games, their ability to confuse opposing quarterbacks, confuse opposing offenses, I think this is going to be a teachable moment for (laughs) young Drew Locke. That's a nice way to put it, Mace. Give me the Chiefs. With the points. Yeah. Do we have to wait until your your roundtable... Wait until my roundtable segment for the score. I'm not saying it's going to be a 30-point walloping here. But a a double-digit game. and that's A comfortable win for the Chiefs, yes. That's very fair. I mean, that's what Vegas would say. They agree with you. And, Mace, I loved the Broncos with the points at the start of this week. I, in fact, like the Broncos to win 
at the start of this week. And as each day has creeped by and gone on, and I listen to you, and I see what the Chiefs are actually doing besides just, you know, a bad defense, my confidence level has gone down. I'm sorry, because if you listen to RK... (laughs) (laughs) Well, I did have my dose of RK yesterday, and Mace... I love the Broncos with the points. I still love the Broncos with the points. And my confidence level in them winning the game has shrunk, but I still have them winning. 27 to 26. The Broncos go into Arrowhead. You got to win straight up. The huge upset. I got them winning straight up. Everyone in that building is believing in Drew Locke. And how about this quote from Cortland Sutton yesterday, Mace? If we go in and not if. When we go in and take care of business in Kansas City, it's going to definitely shake up the division a little bit. That's a guaranteeing win. When we go into Kansas City, Cortland's feeling it. Everyone is feeling it. And I just think they're going to be so hyped for this game. I think the Chiefs are actually going to be more hyped than people would think for facing a 5-8 and eight team because they know Drew Locke coming in. But I just think the Broncos are going to be on a different level this game, and it's going to be a close one. Okay. <laughs> and you know what? That's fair. Ryan's picks just came in. He has the Broncos winning as well, 27 to 24. Am I just impervious <laughs> to optimism? Hey, I had the Broncos losing last week, so no. Wow. <laughs> You're very realistic saying the Broncos won't win. I can see the comments now. Mace, <laughs> come to the dark side, come to the bright side, whatever you want to call it. I just, I'm sorry. I've seen so many young quarterbacks around the league over the years, and I've seen that they're going to have some rough moments. This feels like it could be a rough day for Drew Locke, but I'll tell you this. This is also why I said, come to me after five games. Because my worry, and this is not for you, the listener to our podcast, because we have a very smart audience here. But there are some vocal and less intelligent swaths of Broncos country who, if Drew Locke has a bad game, they're going to break their legs jumping off the bandwagon. Yeah. So just step back, relax, R-E-L-A-X, Aaron (laughs) Rodgers here, and... Take in the big picture. And if Drew Locke struggles Sunday, accept that this is part and parcel of being a young quarterback. Yep. And find out how he grows from it. I've, Like I was saying to you guys, the scenario I want to see, and even though it would probably mean I'm wrong when it comes to the point spread pick, is the Broncos falling behind but fighting back. Right. Drew Locke learning from early woes improving as the game goes on, showing that there's resilience in him, resilience in the team as led by him. So if you see that in the same game, you would also then see Rich Gangarello adjusting to what the Chiefs do, and that's something that I think is still a valid critique of Rich Gangarello. Can he make the in-game adjustments to make sure that the best part of what the Broncos do on a week-to-week basis is not early that they can do some good things 
down the line in a game that he can shift gears over the course of a game. So if you see that and you see Drew Locke bounce back, if there are some early bumps, you might lose because you might feel freaking awesome. Yep. Yep. About the arc of and, Drew Locke and the Broncos. And that's exactly how I thought last week was going to go, and everyone's going to be pumped. And now everyone's even more pumped. Mace, could you only imagine in four days if we're talking about Drew Locke just going into Kansas City and winning how on fire the city's going to be? And I think Drew Locke has a good game, obviously. I think he has a very good game. But it's going to be on the running attack to really help Drew. Kansas City is a bad team against the run. They gave up over five yards per carry, um, over way over 100 yards per game. In the last four games, they've given up two 100-yard games, and the other two have been in the 90s. So they uh, still are forming their defense, and they are not 100% stout against the run just yet. No, and in fact, while they've played good defense generally over the last month and a half, Zach, in five of the last six games, the Chiefs have allowed at least 4.3 yards per carry. In four of those six, at least 4.9 yards per carry. Yep. There are going to be opportunities for Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, and I'd like to see Philip Lindsay get untracked in particular. I did an appearance on Sirius XM Fantasy Radio last night, and we got to talking about Philip Lindsay. And I said, you know, if you kind of just take a look at the big picture of his numbers, his per carry, per at catch averages, they're a bit down, but he's still on pace for a thousand rushing yards. He's still on pace for about what he did last year in terms of pass catching, in terms of raw yardage total, but he needs more attempts, more receptions in order to get there. And I think because of that, and because the spectacular moments have been a bit scarcer than they were last year, it feels like Philip Lindsay is having a little bit of a disappointing season. Mm-hmm. Yep. Even though he's still pretty productive. Yep, it does feel like that. And because of that, I think the Broncos need to get Phil a little loose, get him into space, make some positive things happen, let him accumulate some yardage outside the numbers. Maybe this is the day that Phil Lindsay gets going. It really could be Phil and Drew going to KC and take down the Chiefs. We'll see if that happens. Mace, I need your quick picks from the other games. Tonight, we have a dud. Jets going into Baltimore facing the Ravens. Ravens 15-point favorites. 15! Have a, That is a dud of a game. And, oh, boy, oh, boy. The number is what gives you pause, of course, because it's minus 15 At the same time, we've seen these Ravens in two other primetime games this year against far superior competition win by 17 against the Patriots, by 39 against the Los Angeles Rams on Monday Night Football (laughs) back uh, just, just before Thanksgiving. I like the Ravens to put the hammer down. That 15 point number, it's massive. I think they cover it. Give me Baltimore. It's not enough either. Give me Baltimore. Ryan's taking the Jets. Vikings, two-and-a-half-point favorites going into Los Angeles to play the Chargers. Who do you have? Ooh. Interesting game because, of course, the Chargers did play much better last week, and they have a penchant for playing close games. 
the Jaguars game was an exception, but of course a big part of the Chargers story this year has been losing a lot of close games over the course of the year, losing close to Detroit, losing close to Houston, to Denver twice, losing by seven to the Steelers, by three to the Titans, by two to the Raiders, by seven on that interception. One of the Chiefs' interceptions that we referenced back in Mexico City. Vikings need this one bad, and they're going to have a quasi-home field advantage. It didn't help Green Bay in early November. I think it'll help Minnesota on Sunday. Give me the Vikings. Ryan agrees with you. He's taking the Vikings in the two and a half. I'm taking the Chargers. Give me LA. They're rolling right now. And final one, Mace. Jaguars going into Oakland to play the Raiders. Raiders six and a half point favorites. Well, you've got two teams that are headed in the wrong direction fast right now. The Jaguars, you know, they were promising for a minute. They were 500 at midseason. They've lost five in a row. They're playing out the string. Uh, Doug Marone does not appear to be long for his job as head coach of the Jaguars. They're going to hit the reset button in a lot of ways. I think they're trying to find out whether they hit the reset button with Gardner Minshew or not. The Raiders, it's going to be an emotional day. It's their final game in Oakland. And How about that? We, we know this because the Raiders, even if they somehow wiggle into the playoffs, are almost certainly going to be a sixth seed if they are, and certainly things are going against them. The Raiders, they've lost three in a row, all three games by at least 21 points. 34-3 of the Jets, 40-9 of the Chiefs. And last week, the high-flying Titans came in and doubled them up 42-21. That being said, I think the Raiders find the emotional center going in this game, their final game in Oakland before closing out on the road at the Chargers and, of course, at the Broncos in Week 17. The Raiders are skidding, but I think for one day they stop this and give their fans something to remember them by. Remember, Zach, last year, Week 16, Christmas Eve, thought it might be the last game for the Raiders in Oakland. It was a charged, emotional atmosphere. Broncos were caught flat-footed. I think the same thing could happen again today. Give me the Raiders on Sunday against the Jaguars. And give me the Raiders as well. And I get six and a half points taking the Raiders at home. Uh, Mace, I agree with you. I think the Raiders will fight back. And I love this round of picks. We all have different picks. We disagree on every single game, which I absolutely love because Ryan is taking uh, the Jaguars in this game. And before we hear what you guys have to say, maybe about this, the, the Broncos game, I got to tell you guys about Breckenridge Brewery, and you guys know just how much we love it. You can't go wrong. The Avalanche, the Colorado Core, Sunshine, or, or Strawberry Sky, they have so many amazing beers. And they have an amazing deal going on at Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. It's their brewery of the month. So download their app and you enjoy a six-pack for only $7.99 all month long. So make sure you check out Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits to get damn good beer because you certainly know they carry all of the Breckenridge beer. And after that, why don't you check out the Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. So get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com, order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online, and head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. Use that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. All right, Mace, what do the people have to say? They've got a lot to say. Let's start with Chicken Joe. I have watched many Broncos games 
over the past couple of years, and I was genuinely dumbfounded by the quarterback play on Sunday. Locke had a good game, but what stood out to me was the moxie and poise under pressure. It should also be noted that he throws a beautiful deep ball. He has his share of issues, footwork, accuracy, etc., but there's no reason to believe those problems can't be fixed, i.e. Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. How many wins do you see this guy, you guys see this squad getting the rest of the season? I'm fully on board the lock train, so I say we're, I'll say we're 8-8 eight eight until we ain't. P.S. With the new direction the Broncos are heading, do you, do you guys think they will do any sort of rebranding or new uniforms? I think you've got them winning all three because you have the Broncos winning this game yeah. in Kansas City, and yeah. I think we both yeah. had them winning against the Lions and Raiders at home, so I'm going to say they win two of three and finish seven and nine. It's pretty incredible going for at least four and one with Drew Locke. Yeah. And you know what? Finishing 7-9, and nine, if Drew Locke is playing well and showing that he can be a potential long-term answer, it's the best outcome of the season that doesn't involve going to the playoffs. As for uniforms, don't expect any new uniforms, at least for the primary uniforms, until the ownership situation is settled. I don't think they're going to change uniforms while the team is under trust control. Yeah, don't expect a change. Right. They're kind of in a holding pattern there. I think once it's resolved, and whether it's Brittany Bolin, in all likelihood from the Bolin family, or the team is sold, that's when I think you'll see new uniforms. Next one from Iceman. Hey, boys. Welcome back, RK. It's strange how much I agree with you and Zach. Hang in there, Mace. We will get on the same page one day, Debbie Downer. Here is a part of the lock effect. Two Broncos and CU questions. One, where's Waldo Winfrey? Is he still a member of this football club? He is. He is. He's just he's not, every week. he's not cracking cracking it for whatever reason it is because he's good on special teams. So it says what he what he means, what he's not doing on offense. They think Fred Brown is better on special teams. Right, right. Two, why is Skanes determined to only run Phil between A and B gaps? It's a good question, and I said earlier, hey, get Phil Lindsay the ball in space, get to him outside, let him do some things there. Can't both Royce and Booker be the two to run between the tackles along with Drew on QB sneaks? Phil won't be able to get 1,000 yards two years in a row if this continues the final three games. Go Drew, Brett, Phil, Winfrey, Broncos, Zoomies. The thing is, though, for this offense to work, both Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman have to be capable of running inside and outside. Otherwise, if you see one of them in the backfield, it's going to be a tell, and the defense is going to adapt accordingly. So I know it's frustrating, but if Philip Lindsay's in there, he's still going to have to show he can be a threat between the tackles. Exactly. Exactly. I I totally agree. It can't be. He can't be a one trick pony, which he's not. Right. Oklahoma Bronco 58. Fellas, I just ordered my tickets for the Broncos game this weekend. This will be my second game ever going to. And I hope that it delivers the same type of memories as my first. The first Broncos game I ever went to was for my 16th birthday. We are playing the 49ers on Sunday Night Football, which was the game when Peyton broke the touchdown record. Even better, it happened in the end zone. I was sitting in to make it even more amazing. I know it's hard to top that first live Broncos experience, but here's to hoping Locke secures the bag against the Chiefs. <laughs> Mace did the secure the bag move. I absolutely Yeah, who says I'm it. Debbie Downer? I'm saying the Broncos are <laughs> going to be a playoff team next year, and I just did the secure the bag thing. I actually uh, showed Charlotte the video of the uh, Buzz Lightyear <laughs> celebration. She's all in. She's a Drew Locke fan now. <laughs> right on. She's more in than... 
her dad is. Oh, come on. <laughs> Missouri Bronco says, join the fun with us in Kansas City. Absolutely. Next one from Sasha Sangahari. Furthermore, to the point RK made about Drew Locke being a parting gift as Elway walks into the sunset once again, I believe the 2020 draft will be the most important of his tenure to truly set up Drew for continued future success and cement Elway's legacy as a great GM. He needs to knock this draft out of the park and give Drew this draft and give Drew the weapons and protection he must have to duel with Mahomes for the next five to ten years. I cannot remember being so excited for the whole draft process to begin. I will enjoy for now, but the future is bright in Denver. I feel like Broncos country has gotten a B-12 shot (laughs) with the entrance of Drew Locke into the lineup the last few games. It's been really good to see everyone Uh, finding the enthusiasm again. Mason, I'm, I'm... Last week was exciting to see Drew Locke. The week before was exciting to see Drew Locke. I'm, I'm pumped for this game. I am pumped for this game. And when was the last time we've been able to say that about a December Broncos game? I know. 2016? It's pretty amazing. Yeah. The Manning-faced God. Hey, guys. Bold prediction from the Manning-faced God. Drew Locke will throw for over 300 yards and three-plus touchdowns and only one interception or none. We will witness a masterpiece of a performance this Sunday. Drew Locke will go back to his hometown and show that he's the best QB in the AFC West. Guys, last Sunday was not a fluke. The way Drew played with such poise and confidence demonstrates why his great level of play will continue. We have our QB of the future, boys. So the Manning face God expects exactly what happened last week to happen again this week. And and here's, I'm, I'm so happy that you're pumped about it, but the Manning face God, it Mace kind of laid the warning out earlier, and I just want to double down on that. If it doesn't happen, if he doesn't go three touchdowns, 300 yards, it's okay. It, it's, it's okay. But still, I think he's going to be pretty darn good, too. I know. I just <laughs> I don't want to see this town turn on him. Yeah, I just I don't. A couple of comments. Uh, uh, from Missouri Bronco and myself, we're talking about the potential meetup in Kansas City. So hit us up on the comments. Let us know what you want, what we're doing. Uh, let's try to figure something out for Saturday. I should be getting into Kansas City if I'm on time. Should be landing around 5 o'clock, so let's definitely uh, still shoot for something 7, 7.30. we got to figure out where. Is it going to be Jack Stacks? Is it going to be Q39? Maybe Joe's Kansas City, if you don't mind waiting in line. I certainly don't. We can talk Broncos <laughs> football while we're standing in line at the gas station. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> at the gas station. How about that? So, Mace, where will you put the final plans? On, on today's pod? We'll the put comments? them in the comments of this pod, and right. we'll discuss it. So I'll just have to make sure you tell me when you post this, Zach. Yep. And maybe I'll just set up the thread in this con- in this comment section for the pod, and we'll go from there. On to Bronco Nugs. All right, I think I got this figured out. Drew Locke to Mace right now is like a girlfriend. You're trying to figure out if she can be your wife, but you're not quite <laughs> sure. But the other two guys are already getting married. <laughs> I'm with Mace. Wait till the last game before proposing. It's a good point. Another one is, I don't know how familiar you are with Seinfeld, Zach. Not very, unsurprisingly. They had levels of male friendship as far as regu- you know, relating commitment, and they equated helping a male friend to a guy helping another guy friend move. They equated that to basically jumping into a relationship <laughs> sleeping together you know it's true or and another step along the way was driving them to the airport jerry's like i'm not driving him to the airport it's when jerry seinfeld and former mets player keith hernandez are friends so there's a good sports connection there yep. as well yep the keith hernandez <laughs> that's awesome i actually have a keith hernandez bobblehead 
of that from that episode, they gave away a Brooklyn Cyclones minor league game. <laughs> oh wow! Yes, that's something else. What well, it, it says, uh, as he said, I am Keith Hernandez. <laughs> <laughs> and Mace, you can be afraid of commitment for even longer than just before the last game of the season. You or the Broncos don't really have to propose to Drew until right before free agency, right before the draft. And then even then, it's, you know, a proposal. You're not getting married that day. Well, I mean, what does it take to get married? If you're the quarterback for a year, are you getting married, or is that just a long, a committed relationship? That's a, that's a proposal, I think. I think the Broncos – man, this is actually a fantastic way to put it. The Broncos can propose to Drew this offseason by not going out and getting a high-dollar free agent or a first-round quarterback, but See, it's a proposal. So proposals can be for one or two years. I would say it's not a proposal. I would say it's being exclusive. Hmm. That right now they're not exclusive. Right now. Ah, I think they are. I think they're exclusive right now. Okay. All I right. think Drew's the guy. I don't think they're exclusive <laughs> yet. Although Vic hasn't officially said that Drew's the guy uh, the rest of this season. Uh, Vic and I are of, of the <laughs> like mind on this, I think. Next one from D- Dreadhead. Dreadhead Broncos fan. Guys, the the bag has been secured. I think I'm going to start saying that after everyone with a, with as long as Drew is under center. And every time you guys say that, I think Mace is going to do the secure the bag move. So I love it. Now all we need is a left tackle and wide receiver, and we'll be rolling. My hope is we draft the kid out of Iowa and the wide receiver draft, and we draft the wide receiver Devin Duvernay in the third or fourth. He led the nation in receptions, had multiple 10-plus receptions per game, and plays wide receiver but runs like a running back and also was a senior captain. So he has a leadership Elway is looking for. But what do you guys think? Much love to all three of you. Go Broncos. Go DNVR. There's one problem with the wide receiver that runs like a running back. Sounds like the description of Carlos Henderson. Ah, That's a little frightening. I'm a little burned there. So I don't know. I got to watch more of DuVernay. Certainly puts up the numbers. 210 pounds, though. And what is he? 210. And he is, let's see. How tall is he? 5'11". Ooh. So again, yeah, that's a running back build. Yes, right there. that is very much a running back. Hey, I love the idea of, of getting left tackle in the first round and uh, any sort of wide receiver in the third or fourth. Maybe that's even coupled with the wide receiver in the second. And here's what's interesting with DuVernay. He had more receptions this year than he did in his previous three seasons combined. Wow. So is he one-hit wonder? That's the question. I think that's going to uh, I'll beg itself forward over the course of the next few months. Wyoming Bronco, I truly believe that if Drew Locke wins an arrowhead on Sunday, he can win anywhere and beat anyone. That's true. You're not wrong. I just have a couple of comments slash questions. What do you guys think of Logan Wilson out of Wyoming? I know that linebacker is not a top priority for the Broncos this offseason, but I think that he's one of the more underrated linebackers in the country. Do you think he'd be a good scheme fit in Fangio's defense? Two, what do you guys think about eight-team or more college playoff? Personally, I think that the current system is unfair to lower teams. Teams like Wyoming or Georgia State do not have a chance of making it to the playoffs because they don't have a tough enough schedule to even be considered. What if college football did something like March Madness, where any team has a chance to win a national championship? Just a thought I had. I'd really like to hear your opinions. Okay, number two, that's awesome. The idea I've had for a few years is a 2014 tournament. All 10 conference winners, 14 at-larges, Top eight teams get buys. First round is on campus sites right before Christmas. Mm. Second round, you start getting kind of into the bowl scenario. So you say, okay, this second round game is the Gator Bowl or it's the Outback Bowl or whatever. And then you get it from 16 to 8 to 4 to 2. But yes, you're right. 
one of the magical things about college basketball is that every team can start practice in October saying, hey, theoretically, we, we have a shot. You know, Loyola made the Final Four a couple of years back. George Mason made it back in 06. Yeah. You can I, dream. You I, can have the dream, and I think the dream counts for something. Yeah, and I, I love that idea, Mace. I love 24 teams. Um, I'm I'm okay with four, but I, I, I would love seeing an expanded tournament. That would be awesome. The problem is, is that you have too many people who are sucking at the money teat on this one, and you know where people are making money, they want to keep making money. Right. Although there are parts of college football that would make even more money if there was a playoff. Because look at the excitement oh, over yeah. the uh, tournament in March. Frankly, I think a college football playoff would actually threaten the NFL a little bit. I think so, too. Because it would be electric and energetic and fun. Logan Wilson, we mentioned him briefly on a previous podcast. I like him a lot. Yeah. I'd love him as a fourth-round pick for the Broncos. Yeah, and be a developmental guy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that as well. Next one from Am I Right or Amarillo? Sorry, my question about Raheem Moore's depth perception relating to Drew Locke's starts in 2019 was perhaps too vague. I wonder less about the implications of Peyton Manning earning another ring in 2012 and more about the implications of Joe Flacco not earning one. Without that ring, there's no big elite contract, and he likely isn't in Baltimore long enough to be replaced by Lamar Jackson. Without the title of Super Bowl champion on his resume, I'd assume Elway certainly doesn't pull the trigger on that trade in 2019 or earlier, and we don't sit through eight games of Sleepy Joe before they finally got Drew on the practice field. Totally useless speculation, but I thought perhaps a fun thought exercise anyway. Have y'all a great day and have fun at the meetup. Also, Texas barbecue is better than all. Okay. If you love brisket, te- Texas barbecue is for you. Mm. That's the thing. I'm just not a brisket guy in general. So it, it's more my own personal preference on that one. But I can see why people do love Texas barbecue. It does smell heavenly when it's being cooked. Uh, all, all barbecue smells heavenly, tastes heavenly. The best olfactory experience in the National Football League, by the way, is the Kansas City Chiefs parking lot before a game. Mm. That's a fun walk. Just uh, so much passion, so much food. The smokers. Oh man. The grills going. Uh, it's before it's before ten thirty right now, and I am dying for some barbecue. All right. As for the alternate history of Raheem Moore not letting the receiver behind him. Yep. Yeah. Baltimore changes doesn't resign Joe Flacco. Yeah, changes a ton. Yeah. Changes everything. It changes things for the Broncos and Peyton Manning. I mean, I don't know if he comes yeah. back for that fourth season mm. or if he just says, hey, you know what? I'm good. Right. Got my ring. Right. That's a good point. The other thing is also if they win, if the Broncos win that game and win the Super Bowl that year, then they're not replacing John Fox with Gary Kubiak no after way. that third year. Nope. John Fox is still the head coach. Right. John Fox may still be the <laughs> yep. Broncos head coach. Yep. How do you like that? That's wild. That is what, maybe that's another what if, Mace, and then you really dive into it. That's true. Bumpy Buffalo, maybe a Spanos question, but how about a crossover with Ryan and Ben doing a take the case to court about Drew being the guy? Ryan and Ryan versus Zach, and Ben, you judge, with A-Rod and Allie as bailiff. Thoughts? Well, this is interesting. So this is a crossover (laughs) of what I do on KOA at most Thursday nights where we do a mock court case with what we're doing here. Hmm, that, that actually <laughs> sounds like fun if we can make that happen. I love it. I love it. Crossover. Man, I, lo- I love doing that in the off season. That'll, that'll be, be fun. Be, that'll be really fun. 
Let's do be, it. Be a crowded studio. We can make it happen. It, it would be. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Next one coming in from Pismo Beach Broncos 07. Guys, you're killing me. Mace knows everything, and you've never heard of the former clam capital of the world? Probably because the former, not the current. Right. We are located almost at the halfway point between L.A. and San Francisco, right about an hour north of Santa Barbara. It's one of the most beautiful places. You should check it out. Our famous beers are Firestone Walker, 805, and DBA. I've seen them on tap in Denver. You should check them out if you haven't already. I have had Firestone. Very good. What do you think are the chances of a Denver gets big heads coming off a big win? This weekend gets a reality check. Usually this happens to bad teams that are poorly coached. I think personally we are giving Sangrello too much credit for one decently called game. I still think the seat should be very warm on him. He's not a spread offense guru, and I think that would maximize Locke's potential. But if you keep Skangs around next year, you might want to consider a move for Nick Mullins as a backup. I know for a fact that Skangs loves and truly believes in Mullins. So you bring in a young, high-ceiling, young backup to be the, the contingency plan if Locke falls apart. He already has proven at this level very competent at running the system. Trust me on this one. Skangs believes Nick Mullins is a starter and preferred him to Garoppolo in San Francisco. As I mentioned in a previous podcast, I have my sources. Ask RK. Yeah, I can't believe I didn't know where Pismo Beach was because I've come down through that section of California before. I've stayed in Santa Barbara for a few days, had a couple of vacations out there. So It sounds amazing. Yeah, it does. And I looked at some pictures just now while you were reading the comment. It was beautiful. You know, if Scangarello preferred Nick Mullins to Jimmy Garoppolo, I hate to say it, but I got to kind of question his judgment there. <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo brings a lot more to the table than Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins is a backup. Nick Mullins is fine. And if he's a backup here, he'd be fine. But is that the kind of backup the Broncos want, or do they want somebody who is a mentor for Drew Locke? I think that's the better fit for Drew Locke is the veteran mentor who can help shepherd Drew Locke through. Yeah, and I would actually I'd be very okay with Nick Mullins as a backup, but here's the thing, they may the 49ers may want more value than the Broncos want for him as a backup. The other thing is, yeah, the Niners held on to Nick Mullins and they held on to CJ Beathard as well. Right. So obviously they see something too. Exactly. And before we get to more questions, I got to tell you guys about Denver Rubber Company. And it may not be what you think it is, but now you probably know what it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products, from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. And guess what? Snow is coming! And you know we've already had a taste of it. You'll need Denver Rubber Company when it comes to anything snow plows. DRC can cut to size and pre-slot most snow plow rubber. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. We went and checked out their warehouse a few weeks back, and let me tell you, it was nothing short of amazing. These guys have created proprietary materials that make up the inside of wind turbine blades, and we even witnessed machines that can cut material that are used in bulletproof vests. Remember, Denver Rubber Company custom makes it all, and you can purchase products for yourself and, of course, buy bulk at a fantastic rate. They're a family-owned business with loyalty only to the people just like us here at DNVR. So be sure to call them today for any snow plow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash DNVR and make sure to tell them who sent you. Let's keep going with the questions. I apologize if I butcher this name. Is it Tanner Salwa or Tanner Salois? Anyway, hey guys, first time commenting, but I feel like I know you guys more than you know. I love hearing your takes on the best team in sports. 
especially now that Mace is on the pod. Thank you. Appreciate that very much. Very kind. Anyway, my take for the Chiefs game this week is that Phil goes off and has over 175 (laughs) total yards to go along with a couple of touchdowns, one through the air and one on the ground. Drew doesn't have a particularly big game, but still looks more and more like the guy that can lead the franchise for a year to come. Broncos win a nail-biter, 31-27. Von Miller has a vintage game-ending sack when it matters most. Love you guys, and keep up the good work. P.S. I drive for UPS, so I don't mind the long pods. I actually love to see the two-hour-plus when I open it up. Sorry, I don't think this is going to be a two-hour-plus <laughs> It certainly won't, but we got to go talk to Vic. But, man, Tanner, thanks for chiming in. We love hearing from you. We love that you're rolling with us, and, boy, I think Broncos country would love your bold prediction. Everything about it. Oh, Next yes. one from Trevory13. Anthony Costanzo has been brought up as an option to fix the whole left tackle. But the Colts will have more cap space than any other team in the NFL next year at over $100 million, and they built their identity around the offensive line. Given that, is there any reason to believe they wouldn't do whatever's necessary to keep him? If there's an in-house replacement they feel good about, that would make sense. Otherwise, I don't see why they would ever let him hit the open market. Apologies for being a wet blanket in the middle of December, but I don't fix— But but I don't think the fix at left tackle will come that easy. Keep up the great work, boys. Yeah, it's in their court ultimately, but the fact that they have not re-signed him by now I think is interesting. Yeah, it, it does allow other teams to think about him. Right. Yeah, but I think that's a that's how I feel is I just can't get myself to believe that, that they'll be able to get him. If they do, go get him because, yep. you know what, it's their mistake in all likelihood. Yeah, absolutely. So, Count Locula. In light of the 90-yard touchdown <laughs> video starring Philip Rivers, I'd like to hear you find Gent's top three most annoying quarterbacks list. This might be a guy that just got under your skin with his attitude or had you throwing your hat with his on-field play or both. Mine are Aaron Rodgers, a smugness that just gets in my craw. Of course, TB12, his sad panda act when things go awry is next level. And Kerry Collins, I can't really explain it. Maybe all the INTs and paucity of plays outside the pocket. I don't know. You don't need to think too hard here. Just go with your gut. Love the count. I'm gonna and, give I'm gonna give you one, and it's gonna stick with your list, the count. A Aaron Rodgers. Why? Why don't you like him? Same reason? Mr. Overrated. Mr. Uh, Overrated. Yeah, and the smugness. Uh, <laughs> I can't get with you there. I think if you gave Aaron Rodgers Bill Belichick as a head coach, that together they would have won more titles than Bill Belichick and Tom Brady did together. <laughs> I don't think so. It's a fun what if. Yeah, it fun. is. See, because it's in the realm of speculation, neither of us are wrong. We're just <laughs> guessing. Right. It's okay. Exactly. Mace, who gets under your skin? Oh, wow. Um,. Philip used to get under my skin, but now I I embrace it. Yeah, he never bothered me because I always thought with Philip Rivers, man, if he was the quarterback on my team. Yep, exactly. I would love that. Yep, exactly. Under my skin. Wow. Um, this is going to tick a lot of people off. <laughs> and it's not about him. It's more about the people who were so devoted to him. Tim Tebow. Oh, wow. Again, not about him. Right. More about the culture and more about what surrounded him with a fan base that was a fan of him 
not so much of the teams for which he played. They followed right. him. Right. And it just felt like they were viewing a different reality. Right. And you couldn't talk sense into some of these people. It's true. And I tried over and over. I'd point out things, and it was always, always, always a winner. You know, the, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the other thing that happened, and this is part of the thing that sort of stuck with me, is that in 2011, there were more than a few players who privately, off record, that's why I'm not going to say who, they were frustrated with the whole media and public narrative about how Tim Tebow was the hardest working guy. Right. Because they're like, yeah, okay, he works hard. The other guys work hard too. Right. And I thought that, and that's something that kind of st- stuck with me, that he got all the pub for, you know, oh, he's, you know, Timmy Tryhard. Oh, he's he's the first one running sprints and blah, blah, blah. He's in at six in the morning and he's there until all hours at night. A lot of other guys work that hard too. Yeah. Chris Harris Jr. worked like that. Right. And you can just go down the list of players of that work that hard and they didn't go out and kind of promote themselves and kind of feed into the the public beast, as it were, about this. So, yeah, I have to say that part was annoying to me. I'm gonna we're gonna get some comments on that, I know. Yep, yep, yeah. Because that's because not, I don't think that's a popular thing to no, say no, around what, here. I thought Kyle about. I thought Kyle Orton was annoying. No, right. Yeah, that's one that probably Cause he, a lot of people it didn't seem to too. me that he cared all that much. And also, I remember one day at practice where from about 50 yards away, and this was after Kyle Orton had been benched for Tim Tebow, Orton is yelling at Patrick Smythe all the way across the field. Hmm. I guess the cameras were on too long or something like that. It was just, it was crazy. Yeah, ridiculous. He, he, he's an easy guy to, to not like. But give me Tim Tebow all day. Love Tim Tebow. Mates, the next one coming in from Real Links. This might be worth this question, but since you won't say what DNVR stands for, I have a few guesses. Which is closest? Well, DNVR doesn't stand for anything. It's, it's DNVR. It's Denver. It's Short embracing. Denver. It's embracing Denver. It's Denver without the E's. Now, we wouldn't tell you what BSN stood for, and we're going to keep that close to our heart. But I'll go through a few of these. Uh, doctors nearly vaccinated Rachel. Do not virtualize reality. Devin Devante's network vitalizes robbery. Die, not voting Republican. Dig Nevada's vape recipe. Denver Nuggets veered rapidly. Don't name Valleys rudely. Don never visited Russia during next video rush. Dwight needs volunteer roommates. Yep, none of those, I don't think. I kind of like the never visited because actually I was thinking... Did not visit, name your city that begins with R here. <laughs> yep. Did not visit Richmond. Yep. <laughs> and then another comment, Democrats now vote Republican? Well, speaking for myself, not this one. <laughs> <laughs> World of suck. Ryan, with regard to Joe Burrow, you were asking who was a college one-year wonder who panned out in the NFL. Russell Wilson, no good at NC State, transferred to Wisconsin. He was electric in one season and is now an elite NFL quarterback. Well, you know what? I don't think NC State, Russell Wilson, NC State was a guy who simply didn't pan out. I've got to disagree with you there. Russell Wilson, while he was at State, now he did become a 73% passer at Wisconsin and was in the upper, the mid to upper 50s, improving from 54.5 completion percentage of the freshman to 59.3 and then 58.4. After that, but Russell Wilson, 
I'm going to throw the touchdown interception ratios at you at NC State. 17 to 1, 31 to 11, 28 to 14. Yep. He was I'll good. Take him. Yep. And the He re- wasn't a name then. Well, exactly. And the other thing that happened was that Tom O'Brien, then the coach at North Carolina State, was not happy with Russell Wilson going off to play baseball. So basically gave him a, a kind of an ultimatum, and then Wilson went to go play for the Asheville Tourists in the Rockies organization, and then NC State in 2011 decided to go with Mike Glennon, the giraffe. How about that? And Glennon was good for them. Russell Wilson was much better at Wisconsin. <laughs> it was yep. sort of the best thing for Russell Wilson. It worked out. I know he didn't really want to leave NC State. He'd gotten his degree from there. But going to Wisconsin, spending a year in Madison, was the best thing that okay. ever happened to Russell Wilson, working in a real pro-style scheme behind a good offensive line. And no offense to Raleigh, North Carolina, but Madison, Wisconsin, <laughs> that's a football town. Oh, yeah. And to this day, they're still in love with Russell Wilson. Yep, as they should be. In Wisconsin. As they should be. Next one from Love Thunder Down Under. It's starting to feel like 2020 and 2021 are potentially incredibly profound seasons for the team. Cost-controlled quarterback, sure, but it's more like cost-controlled offense. Look at the potential quality of that side of the ball if that rise continues. Even if you have to pay for one more expensive offensive lineman, it's still potentially an amazingly efficient offense from a cost perspective. Sutton, Fant, Reisner, Lindsey, Freeman, all on rookie deals for some time. So the cap goes to the defense, and boy, can they spend it. Keep Simmons, keep CHJ. Pay for a top-tier defensive tackle? Where else can the money go? Am I missing something here? Are we starting an incredible window of opportunity? Sounds like you read my piece after the Browns game. Yep. That here was the moment the Broncos could build around a cost-controlled quarterback, keep that defense together. It's their best path back to contention. It's what the Seattle Seahawks did back in 2012 and 2013 with... Russell Wilson. (laughs) Love Thunder Down Under continues and says, you know that thing where you spend time with people and you start copying their mannerisms? Well, I seem to be dropping at least one DNVR-seated phrase every day. That happened to anyone else? Happened to me. (laughs) I noticed it about a year and a half ago because when a player was struggling, I would describe him as being in the soup. Mm. And I wondered, why am I saying this? Where did I get that? And I realized it was something that is uttered by the broadcaster's on Atlanta Braves television broadcast <laughs> There you go. And I think sort of the origin is, it's not like literal soup, but you know how sometimes they refer to fog as soup? No. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Fog being soup? Yeah. Wow, okay, now I know. And thus, you're kind of in a fog. You don't know where you're going. You're struggling. You're a little lost. Right. So I'm sure if you've heard me on the radio as well, I've said in the soup <laughs> at some point, and you may have noticed that. You so. haven't said that about Drew Locke yet. Yeah. No, (laughs) he hasn't hit adversity, so he can't be in the soup. J.R. Pancake. Hi, fellas. As the resident Carolinian here, R.K. even insinuating Carolina barbecue being terrible as bull plop. Get me an IV of that amazing vinegar-based sauce right now. (laughs) I write this. I sit on the light rail heading into Uptown Charlotte. By the way, that's what they call downtown in Charlotte is Uptown. Okay. Based during your time with the Panthers, what barbecue joints were your favorite in the Charlotte area? Mine are Sweet Lou's and Max Speed Shop. Max Speed Shop, that's, it's been cool to see that linger because they had just opened when I got there, and that was the one that in the city that I leaned on 
Usually, though, I tended to go outside the city. Max P Shop was kind of the best one in there. I haven't been to Sweet Lou's. Maybe I have to try that at some point when I get back to Charlotte. But places I loved around the state included uh, Lexington Barbecue up in Lexington, 12 Bones out in uh, Asheville, and uh, the pit over in Raleigh are a couple of my favorites. Man, you guys are killing me with all this barbecue talk before 1030. Again, we got to make a barbecue trip out there in North Carolina. Hopefully, y'all will be able to make it out to Broncos Panthers next season. Would love to get some brews and BBQ with you guys. Well, there you go. Would love to. There we go. Next one from Dan Burke. One, Mesa Simpson's references uh, about the Broncos that I was referring to yesterday was pretty much the same one when Homer found out that Hank Scorpio brought him the Broncos instead of the Cowboys. So, in other words, he says, Oh, the Denver Broncos! <laughs> Two, one of the reasons I hope Locke works out is because the rivalry between Locke and Mahomes has a chance to be an all-timer. Locke is from Kansas City. He grew up a Chiefs fan. He said he was upset that the Chiefs drafted Patty instead of waiting for him. It also came to light this week that Locke used to date Clark Hunt's daughter. There's so many levels to this. Yes, Holy cow! I, that! Yep. That took it to another level. <laughs> yep. The owner's daughter. Yep. How about that? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> this guy is the stuff of legend. He really is, especially when he goes in there and beats him on Sunday. Three for Mr. B. Four, Mace. I'm a big fan of picking up James Bradbury in the offseason, so it's nice that we're on the same page. He's very comfortable in zone coverage after years under Ron Rivera. He has great size and length and above-average ball skills. The only thing that that his tackling can get a bit sloppy, although he's certainly a willing tackler, so more of a technical issue than an effort one. And if you're a willing tackler, you can get better. I recall Darian Stewart was a guy who had a lot of tackling issues early in his career, but he was a willing tackler. By the time he got here to Denver, he became a good tackler and a pro bowler. As we know, that's a non-negotiable for for, Van, for right. Vic. Five, another free agent that I'm really high on this season, Randall Cobb, veteran slot receiver who can be a chain mover and also bring significant experience to a young receiving room, plus has good yards after catch skills and is an overall upgrade to Hamilton. Won't break the bank either. And he's a character guy. I like the way you're thinking on Randall Cobb. That would make a lot of sense. <laughs> I like it too. Pastor Rhett, quick weird tidbit. Drew Locke will play in every other variation of the Broncos uniform before donning our primary home jersey. Obviously, this is an incredibly significant factor in his success or failure in this, his first season of professional football. Yes, very important factor. <laughs> no. Of course, he's going to wear the best one against Detroit, hmm. the color rush jersey. Yep. Don't like the orange favorite. pants, but I love that jersey. To me, that should be the Broncos jersey. I'd love it. Take that template with the old logo. Yes. The consistent stripes on the helmet, the sleeves, and the pants. Yep. I, one of the things I hate about the current uniform, we were talking about this on our Slack channel yesterday, is the fact that the stripes on the helmet don't match the stripes on the pants and the side. They just, it's terrible. Yeah. It's a mishmash. I love it. Man, bring back the old D. Oh, yeah. Next one from Tony, Tony Football Soprano. Hey, guys, apologies if this has already been asked, but it looks like Odell Beckham wants out of Cleveland. Sounds like he preferred destinations are 49ers in New England, but if the Broncos could trade for him, should they? I think he and Sutton would probably be the best pair of wide receivers outside of Tampa Bay. If yes, how many picks and what round would you be willing to offer Cleveland? No. If Vic Fangio is trying to focus on the culture as much as anything else, I don't think OBJ helps that. Yeah, he does. I mean, unless you're getting a deal for him, but you're not going to get a deal for him. And I'm not paying top, top dollar in terms of draft picks. And if for you him. get a deal for him, caveat emptor, buyer beware. <laughs> as Mike <laughs> yeah. Brady used to say back on the Brady Bunch, Nick Sticks. Hey, guys, I know it's exciting times with Drew Locke, but I want to look a little bit ahead to next April in the draft. 
Say the Broncos are picking are sitting at pick 11, and they have the following players on the board. Derek Brown, Tristan Wirfs, Kerry Judy, and C.D. Lamb. Who do you pick? I know it will depend on what they do in F.A., but I'm curious to hear you guys speak about what you, you would want the team to do. Thanks. Mace, where are you going with this Easy one? Easy for me, Tristan Wirfs. Easy for me as well. Tristan Wirfs as well. Give, give me the Iowa line, uh, lineman. And, yeah, the receivers love Judy, love C.D. Lamb. You can find receivers on day two. And Derek Brown, a lot to like there, but keep my eye on Chris Jones mm. as a free agent target mm. on the defensive line. That'd be dangerous, wouldn't it? Don't close your eyes on that one. Mm, I like that. Next one from Nick Cox. I did it. I haven't played Madden or video games, at, for all that matter, in a long time, but I just had to pull out my PS2 and create Drew Locke to start a franchise. I had to do it. Anyways, I can't remember who who it was when they asked if they should start Kyler or Locke. Here's how I view fantasy decisions when they are close. You're trying to decide between two players who realistically, based off the situation, are similar in floor and ceiling. With that being said, always pick the one who you'd rather lose with. Allow me to explain. If Kyler fails... If Kyler fails you, but Drew has a great game, you are going to be kicking yourself for not starting your guy and taking an L on the way out. However, if you start Drew and he has a bad game with Kyler on your bench, who happens to have a great game, well, at least you started your guy. Basically, fantasy football should enhance your football watching experience. Who would you rather root for this weekend, Locke or Kyler? So sorry for the long comment. I hope it makes more sense. Well, Nick Cox, that that's just a homework take. <laughs> so if you're, if you're trying to win, I don't necessarily know if that's the best mindset to have all the time. For several years, I've made a point of never picking a Bronco for my fantasy team. Yep. Because I thought, almost without exception, they were overvalued yep. in the drafts in which I took apart. Yep, because you're surrounded by Broncos fans. Yeah. Jack Double Magnum, I like the one commenter that mentioned the Rocky Mountain lifestyle may appeal to Brandon Scherf. Better get Jewel, Fanton, Kreider to start the recruiting campaign to get him to Denver. Go Hawks, by the way. Mm-hmm. My question is, what do you guys think is the better option for us with free agency in the draft? Assuming we are drafting where we are now, 10-14. to 14. Hope for one of the two main OTs to fall on our laps and go wide receiver in the second and use free agent money to sign C.H. Jr., Shelby Harris, Simmons, Wolf, etc., or go the base route and sign a Costanzo left tackle. I agree with Zach and Dowdy will even make it to market or a sure-fit guard and then take a C.D. Lamb or Henry Ruggs in the first and draft a developmental OT in the second or third. Sorry for the long comment, but was just curious what you guys thought best-case scenarios for Denver's 2020 success. All of this, I'm assuming Drew Locke continues to display that he is the guy. Thanks, fellas. Keep up the good work. Okay. Well, if we're talking about 2020, I want to trust my left tackle. So if Costanzo is available, there you go. That is the best solution at left tackle. Don't be surprised if it's Garrett Bowles. I think they could talk themselves into Garrett Bowles, but I'm I'm skeptical. Yeah, he hasn't had a holding penalty in a few weeks. He did this last year as well. So I'm sorry. I'm going with a bigger sample size on Garrett Bowles, and I want to get better at left tackle. And Mace, I'm on the same page as you. I'm upgrading yeah. left tackle. If it's Costanzo, great. If not, it's a tackle in the first round. Yeah, exactly. And that, that, I think that's the most important thing here. Scherf is, is interesting, and maybe he wants to come out to Denver. If you do that, probably uh, maybe re-sign Connor McGovern, or maybe you're looking for a younger cost-controlled center, perhaps, because Scherf right. be a lot of money for a guard. He would be. Next one from C. Fillmore 72 Dear Mighty Three, greetings once again from across the pond. I've enjoyed the debate on Vic's do away with divisions comments. A European perspective, we are used to pro sports in which promotion and regulation are the norm. While it maintains meaningful must-win games for the it must-win games. 
For those at the bottom of the league, it isn't perfect. It can end up creating leagues within leagues, true of the top soccer, two of the top soccer leagues in Europe, where a few teams can realistically win. A few battle regulation at the at relegation the re- or relegation, and the rest are considered or consigned to ordering themselves into mid-table mediocrity. One of the the best things about the NFL is its structure is parity. In the main in the main games are close and competitive. I do favor few divisions so that weak teams don't sneak in the playoffs at the expense of better teams, but keep some interconference games, particularly city, state, historic rivalries, and no promotion or regulation. Keep up the podcast every day. Keep up or enjoy the podcast every day. Keep up the good work, Christopher. Thank you so much, Christopher. I can tell you're not a soccer guy because you keep saying regulation, not relegation. Yeah, yep. Well, you're it's right a very, that. if you follow soccer outside of this country, it's a very common concept. Actually, my bright idea, I don't know how bright it is, is an NFL divided into two tiers. So dump the conferences entirely. Basically, let's say we do it for next year. Top 16 teams, you're in tier one. Bottom 16 teams, tier two. There is promotion and relegation between the tiers. The postseason, to get you the Super Bowl, is comprised of 10 teams from tier one. 10 of the 16 will qualify. Four of the 16, the top four from tier two qualify. And then team 11 faces team six from tier one, faces team six from tier two. Team 12 from Tier 1 faces Team 5 from Tier 2, and those games are one-game playoffs to decide who goes up, Hmm. who goes down. Hmm. So you could have up to six teams moving up or down in any given year. Wow, that's getting confusing. It's not confusing. It's awesome. (laughs) It sounds awesome. We've got a couple more comments coming in under the wire. Bronco and SF. In the press conference, Vic just said Drew is going to have to learn how to go to KC once a year. Despite pumping the brakes, it look like, looks like Vic really does believe Drew is the guy. My theory is that Vic is strategically taking some pressure off Drew. He's bringing his young star up with care. Too high expectations and hype can hurt your growth. Let the kid grow, learn, and continue to challenge him. Vic impresses me once again. With a young corn Vic at the helm, we have a lot to be excited about. Feels good to have hope again. Hashtag a new hope. Any hot takes on the new Star Wars movie, Mace? I'm rewatching all the old movies in prep. You know what? I'm keeping away from spoilers or anything like that. Just, I want to sit there a little over a week from now. I, th- I think I'm going like literally right after the press conferences a week from Friday. Nice. And I want to marinate in it. <laughs> right on. I can't wait. You're already dreaming. I love it. Oh, don't disappoint me. (laughs) But also, one thing about Vic, I think he's trying to manage expectations. I also think Vic Fangio was a product of his experiences and what he said about the false positive and the false negative a few weeks ago in regards to John Forcade back in 1989 and the Saints riding him into 1990. I think stuff like that. It's foremost on his mind. I think so, too. And last one coming in from Andrew O. Fun fact of the day. Since 1994, the Broncos have just as many playoff wins in Arrowhead as the Chiefs do. Zing! (laughs) I have a really good feeling about the game this Sunday. Casey will have no choice but to adopt the game plan they had in our first meeting because it worked. 
I believe this gives us an advantage, especially with a mastermind like Fangio. Couple that with a fearless young offense, and you have the recipe for an upset. The Broncos are beaming with confidence, and Casey is focused on not screwing up the postseason for the 50th year in a row. What's more likely this weekend, Lindsey rushing for 150 yards or Drew Locke throwing for 300 again? If you had said Lindsey with 150 yards from scrimmage, I would have said Lindsey. Rushing yards alone, I'm going to choose Drew Locke throwing for 300. Yeah. Me too, although I expect Phillip to have a big game, but 150 with splitting carries would be nuts. Exactly. Unless he rips off a 75-yard <laughs> touchdown at some point to boost that total. And with that, Mace, we leave you the for the strong weekend ending. on a beautiful 75 note. Hopefully, you're sitting in 75-degree weather somewhere <laughs> in the world. And thank you guys for rolling with us so much. It's been an awesome week. Man, have fun. I'm so pumped for this game. Have so much fun this weekend watching the Broncos. And Mace, do you have any last comments? Hoping that the Broncos barbecue <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs. Hoping that Cortland Sutton smokes nah. the Chiefs cornerbacks. Hopefully the Broncos put them in their smoker and enjoy them on Sunday. Wouldn't that be something? How about that? A little KC barbecue. Ooh, with only local meat. <laughs> nice. How about that? And have a fantastic... Hey, maybe enjoy some Denver barbecue? If that exists, just enjoy just enjoy some delicious brews this weekend. Some I guess that Colorado-style barbecue probably involves things like elk and that sort of thing. Oh, yep, yep, you're probably right. Mountain meats. <laughs> mountain meats. Enjoy your mountain meats this weekend and enjoy the Broncos game. For Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. Have a fantastic weekend. South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the uh, extensive selection of some uh, hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. But I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-US uh, wines, I find them extremely helpful in, ha in helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. Mm -hmm.
Oh, you swear. 